Good morning. Thank you, Sharon. That was beautiful. Um, We welcome all of you here this morning um, for the first Sunday in Advent, and we're very pleased to see that the sanctuary is decorated as well as the other facilities and the church property, and we do extend a a thank you to all those who helped to uh, put up the decorations. Um, I've got a few announcements this morning. Um, Shannon Rediger is home from her 11th month mission trip, and today she will be giving a presentation in the ministry center at 2 o'clock about her experiences, and we encourage everyone to come. The children's Christmas program will be in two weeks, so you might want to put that on your calendars and be ready for that, and it will be following the morning worship service. And for today only, nursery service during the uh, church is going to be in the Sunday school room immediately behind the sanctuary, behind the, the chancel area here. The basement nursery will be available again next week. And if you wanted to order clothing with the church logo, the deadline to um, order has been extended to midnight tonight, or you can also see Connie after church to place an order. The giving tree is up in the back of the church, and uh, the, uh, the supports the baby boutique at Elizabeth's New Life Center in Sydney. So if you take a tag off the tree and, you know, buy appropriately and bring it back here to the church. The poinsettias for the nursing nursing home members are in the heritage room over there on the north wall. And if you're able to deliver one or more, please go ahead and take them with you and cross the recipient off of the list. At this time, we'll begin our service with the lighting of the Advent candle, and I invite the Anspaugh family forward to do that. Good morning. Today is the beginning of Advent, the time we prepare to celebrate Christ's birth. We are here because God's promises to our ancestors came true when Jesus was born. God continues to keep his promise through the presence of his Holy Spirit. God will keep the promise to come again in glory. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. We light this candle to proclaim the coming of the light of God into the world. With the coming of this light, there is hope because of Christ. We not only have hope for this life, but also for life eternal. But when the set time had fully came, God sent his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts. The Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has also made you an heir. Please bow your heads. O God, we thank you that Jesus brought hope into our world. You still bring hope to people through the promises of your word. Help us to be ready to welcome Jesus Christ, that we may think good thoughts and do good deeds so that we may be the people of hope in our world. Amen. You all rise. We'll join together in singing hymn number 144, How Great Our Joy.
children would like to come forward for a children's chat with Maria. Um, we can all uh, greet each other this morning while they're gathering here on the steps. She does. Good morning. Oh my goodness. Are you guys still sleeping? Let's try this again. Good morning. Oh, that's better. Were you up too late last night? You were watching the football game? Yep. Okay. Okay. Well, today we're going to talk about Advent. Anybody know what Advent means? Advent means coming. Who is coming? Jesus. Jesus is coming. What special day is coming up? Christmas. Yeah, Christmas. You're right. That is so exciting. You are going to have a baby brother at your house. And you have a new baby at your house, too. Job security is good for me. All right. Now, getting back to the whole purpose of our children's chat here this morning, we're talking about Advent and Jesus' birth, Jesus coming. Now, if you look over here. What did Sammy and Matthew, what did they, what, what do we call that thing over there that they were standing by this morning? There are Advent candles. How many Advent candles are there? Four. There are five. And how many different colors are there? There's three different colors. There's purple, there's pink, and there's white, right? And each one of those candles means something different. And today's candle is about hope, okay? We have hope. We have hope because Jesus came to earth as a child and then died on the cross for us. And that is why Jesus came. So as we get ready to talk about Advent, I have something that each family can make today or tomorrow, okay? It's called an Advent chain, okay? And what we're going to do is I have a little packet for every family. And in here, you're going to have to use your scissors skills, okay? Because you've got to cut apart a bunch of different slips of paper. But on each slip of paper, it has a Bible verse. And each day, you can take one off. And by the time you get all the way up here to the top, it's Christmas Day, and we've learned the story of when Jesus was born. Okay, so we have some coloring to do on the star, some cutting to do, and then a grown-up might have to help you staple them so that you get them in the right order. But each day this helps us to think about Advent is about Jesus' birthday. And our, at Christmas we are getting ready for Jesus' birthday. Okay, so... As we celebrate this season of Advent, you have something that you can read and do to mark the days until Jesus' birthday. Okay? It does kind of tell us how many days till Christmas, doesn't it? Yep. All right. So we're going to say a quick prayer, and then each family can have one of these to do today at home. To make an advent. And you're going to have to take two off right away because it starts December 1st and it's already the 3rd. So we'll make it work. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for Advent and the coming of Jesus as we remember his birth and we celebrate his birthday. We have hope. Hope in you that one day we will be with you again in heaven. Be with us this week and let us show hope To everyone that we meet, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, Jojo.
keep the family and friends of those who died in our service this week. Corporal Todd L. McGurn, 20, lost in Baghdad from Riverside, California, aboard the USS CC or RC Stennis, carrier, engineman, fireman, recruit, Akiri Pointer, 22, from Arlington, Texas. Let's pray together. Father, we are so grateful for this day, this first day of Advent, as we begin to look forward, Lord, to, to the birth of your Son as we celebrate it on Christmas. But Lord, as we, and as we do that, we also look forward to your second coming. Lord, Advent is a reminder not only of what has happened, but what will happen and all that it means for us and your people. And so, Lord, I pray that you would fill us with your hope this morning. Fill us with the hope of, of eternal life. Fill us with the hope that, that through your Son, Jesus Christ, his birth, his life, his death, and his resurrection, he has made a way for us to be restored and, and, and our sin to be dealt with so we can be in a relationship with you again. Lord, I pray that, that this day and, and all the days going forward, during this Advent season and beyond, that we would be able to put our hope and rest our hope completely and fully on you. Lord, we, we put our hope in you, especially today, with regard to our, our concerns that are, on, that are listed here in the bulletin and others that, that we bring before you this morning. We pray, Lord, that you would work in those situations. We have the hope of a God who is able to meet our needs in Christ Jesus, and we have the hope of a God who is loving and compassionate and caring to, to meet the needs of of his children. And so we thank you, Lord, uh, for, for that. And we pray, Lord, that whatever is needed, whatever needs to be done in those situations, that you would meet those needs and that you would do so through your son, Jesus Christ, and the gift of your Holy Spirit. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. I invite those who are helping with the offering to come forward at this time. The collection this morning will go to support the general fund here at First Church. And the choir will be singing a piece, Peace Will Come.
Amen. You may be seated. Our scripture reading today is from Luke chapter 1, verses 46 through 55. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is His name. His mercy extends to those who fear Him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with His arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, and He has sent the rich away empty. He has helped this servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever just as He promised to our ancestors. Let's pray together. Father, thank You uh, for the reading of Your Word. And I pray that as we uh, begin our new series, uh, looking forward to, to the birth of Your Son, Jesus Christ, at Christmas, that You would give us insight into to the significance of His incarnation. Help us to understand fully, Lord, uh, what You've done for us through Your Son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, as part of that, help us to, to really anticipate and be joyful, Lord, um, this holiday season. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. I remember growing up uh, when I was a kid, uh, we didn't always, you know, go to church. You know, my family didn't grow up in, in, in that. I didn't grow up in that sort of setting. Um, so for Christmas, for me, was was very much a part of presents, right? It was all about the gifts that you can receive. And I'm sure other people can relate to that, whether you went to church or not, Right. Uh, I know Christmas is always an exciting time because it meant that I was going to be able to get stuff. Like, I was really excited about that. Um, I remember even as a kid, and, and, and my parents aren't here, so I can confess to this. I remember even snooping around the house, right, trying to figure out where those presents were. I knew they were there somewhere. I never was very good at it. Either I wasn't good or my parents were really good at hiding them. Um, but I could never quite find where they hid those presents. But, but for me, Christmas was so wrapped up in, in that mindset of it was a it was a joyful time but it was joyful because of what i was going to get right it was it was joyful because of what the potential presents that were going to be under the tree when i woke up that christmas morning and there was a lot of excitement a lot of anticipation and, and a lot of just that 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 waiting anxiousness right of of hoping to get what i had asked for and what i had wished for um and and, and for many people like i said Presence and exchanging gifts is a very important part of Christmas, and I, you know, it represents really the ultimate gift that we have received, and that is the birth of our, our Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what Christmas is really all about. When we get so wrapped up like I was in the materialistic and the presence, and when that becomes the, the focus of everything that we do, we're, we're missing the main point. We're missing what the Christmas season is really all about. We're not celebrating for the right reasons, right? Instead, we are, instead of celebrating the birth of our Savior, we're celebrating really ourselves and what, and what we can get out of that holiday. And so as we celebrate Advent, as we look forward to Christmas this year, I want to encourage us to, to, to put those things aside. Not saying don't buy gifts for your children. Please do that still, right? Buy gifts for each other. Celebrate it and, and, and show love to each other in that way. But in doing so, let's, let's look at the significance of what Christmas is really all about. What are we really celebrating? What is the significance to this holiday? And I think one of the ways that we can do that is by looking at these, uh, these four Christmas songs that we see in the first couple chapters of Luke. Throughout, these, throughout the, this narrative of, of Jesus' birth, we see four different people uh, celebrate and respond by singing praises to God. And so over the next four Sundays, we're going to be looking at those four uh, songs of Christmas. The first one being Mary's song, uh, and, and after, and we'll, we'll unpack that here in just a moment. Next week, we'll look at Zechariah's song. Zechariah was the father of John the Baptist, who was born just a couple months before Jesus and, and paved the way for Jesus' ministry. After that, we'll look at the angel song. Uh, they sang to the shepherds on the night of Jesus' birth as well as Simeon's song um, shortly after Jesus' birth when he encountered Jesus being dedicated in the temple just a few short days after his birth. And so we'll look at, look at the significance of Christ's birth. We'll look at the significance of this holiday through the words of those who witnessed it. 
the people who were actually there to see and experience what took place. And so we are going to start today with Mary's song. Uh, many may be known as the Magnificent. It's a, it's a very famous, very well-known passage of Scripture um, and has been, has been turned into music and song many times over throughout the generations. A very important uh, passage for, for this holiday season. And that's the passage I just read for you. But before we jump right into those words, I just want to give you a little bit of background and a little bit of, of setting for what's going on here. Uh, Mary is, is responding here to the, to the announcement that she will give birth to the Savior. Mary was a virgin. She was uh, dedicated to be married to Joseph. Uh, but before they were married, before they had any relations, an angel appeared to, the, to her. And we see this, the words of that encounter early on in Luke chapter 1. In verse, beginning in verse 26, it says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How can this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And the angel left her. And so we see this, this amazing news that Mary, who's going to give birth to Jesus, the very Son of God, and she'll be, and her cousin Elizabeth is, is the sign that this is, that this is true and that God's word will be fulfilled. Um, her cousin Elizabeth is also pregnant as well. And we'll see that this is John the Baptist. And so Mary's response to the angel's news, how does a, how does a young woman who gets this sort of news respond? With trust and obedience. Mary responds, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Imagine being in Mary's shoes. Would you be able to respond in that way? Would you be able to say, I am the Lord's servant, may your word to me be fulfilled? Imagine, think of the kind of trust and faith it takes to respond in that way. You know, there's a lot of social stigma around a woman who was out of wedlock, right, and who found herself pregnant. That was almost practically unacceptable in that day. It would have been within Joseph's right to call off the marriage and to abandon her and to leave her up to her own devices. And, and a woman who found herself pregnant out of marriage without a husband was, was in a very vulnerable position in that day. So Mary could have found herself on the wrong end of a lot of very difficult decisions, and yet she still trusted in the Lord. She still submitted to his will, and that took a lot of trust and faith on her part. And so in the next verses, after Mary's response, we see she immediately goes and visits her cousin Elizabeth. And really the visit itself is a sign of Mary's obedience. She rushed to witness the sign that the angel had told her about. In other words, she wanted to go see for herself that what the angel was saying was going to be true. And so she rushes and and she meets with her cousin Elizabeth. And immediately Elizabeth recognizes, you know, through the presence of the Holy Spirit, Luke tells us, the truth of Mary's baby. That even then, she was that, that, that little child was within her womb. And thus, and thus, Elizabeth was able to offer reassurance and confirmation to Mary about what was taking place. And I just want to read one verse from that section, verse 45. This is Elizabeth's words to Mary right before Mary bursts into these, this song of, of, of worship and praise. Elizabeth tells her, Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promise to her. See, blessing comes to those who trust in God and is obedient to his word. These words were spoken to Mary as a form of of reassurance and confirmation to her, but at the same time, they're words that are spoken to us as well. 
Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, right? Blessed is the one who believes that the Lord will follow through in his promises. Those are words that we need to hear today as well. Those weren't just for Mary in those moments, but it was, it's for us too. We are blessed when we hear the voice of the Lord and we respond with trust and obedience, just as Mary did in this passage. And so that's the background, that's the setting leading up to this amazing song that Mary, uh, that Mary composes here and we're able to, to study today. Mary's song is a response to this affirmation that she has received. The angel had promised her that she would give birth to the Savior, that it was a work of God in her life, and her response of trust and obedience is then reaffirmed through her cousin Elizabeth and what is happening in her life. And the words that Elizabeth spoke to her in verse 45. And so, so Mary responds by praising God and worshiping Him. It reflects the joy and the privilege and the favor of being used by God. Being included in His will and, and God's, the blessing of being, uh, being within God's will. And it's a song of worship and praise to God for sending His Son, our Savior, to this world. And so what, what can we learn then from this song of Mary? What, is this, what do these words teach us about the significance of Christ's birth? Well, first of all, it teaches us that, that, a, that the right response to hearing the good news of, of our Savior being born is, is faithful and obedient worship. Mary begins by saying, My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for He has been mindful of the humble state of His servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things. Holy is His name. So her immediate response isn't, look how great I am. right? Look at all these wonderful things that are happening to, to me. It's praise God for all that He is doing. May my soul glorify Him and all that He has done. That's the correct and proper response to hearing the good news of our Savior being born. Mary models that for us right here. And it's, it's that faithful, obedient worship. And we see also that, that it's, it's obedient. It's a response to what God is doing in her life, but it's also a humble response. Worship inherently points beyond ourselves to something greater. Right? We can't truly worship God. We can't truly celebrate the birth of Christ if it's all about us, right? If our focus is just on ourselves and, and going back to how I started today and talking about my own experience with Christmas as a child, if it's all about what we get, if it's all just about the presents that are under the tree or the lights that are on the houses or whatever other kind of tradition you've associated with, with Christmas, if it's just about those things, we're missing the point. True worship, true, true celebration of Christ's birth is about looking beyond ourselves to someone greater. And that someone is our Savior. Like Mary, we must recognize our own humble state before the Lord and acknowledge God's work in our lives. Worship is all about looking to Him and, and recognizing His work and our response to that. And so humility is a key ingredient for Christ-centered worship. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6. 1 Peter 5, verse 6 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that He may exalt you at the proper time. We need to humble ourselves before the Lord and then He will then lift us up. He will exalt us in His time. And so worship is about looking beyond ourselves and looking to someone greater. Everything we do should point ourselves, point, excuse me, point ourselves and others toward Jesus. So whether it's the sermon we preach or whether it's the scripture that it's read or the songs that are sung or the prayers that are lifted up, it's all should be done to point away from ourselves and towards our Savior. That's what true worship is all about. And once again, Mary is a great model of that. We look at this passage and, 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 and the setting leading up to it. And we see words about, about Mary being highly favored and blessed generations in the future will consider her blessed but it's not her her greatness her blessing is not an innate trait in and of herself there's nothing special about mary beyond her obedience and her trust and her faith in the lord and the example that that provides for us her greatness 
Her favor is based on God's grace toward her and her faithful obedience in response to that grace. You see, she is highly favored because she is the Christ bearer. She's the mother of God. She is not the mother of God because she's highly favored. See the difference there? She's blessed because of what God is doing and and working in her life. It's not that she was this great person who then who then earned the right to be the mother of God, right? It was a blessing. It was all God's grace and His work in her life and her faithful response to it. And so, in the same way, it's about it's about in our own lives what we can learn is it's about recognizing. Excuse me. It's about recognizing God's work in our lives and responding to that. Christianity is not about how good we are. Right? It's not about drawing attention to ourselves through God, through our good deeds or our fancy words. It's about pointing people and ourselves to Christ. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 8, we see this picture of, of, of what it looks like to, to use worship to draw attention to ourselves. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount said, Whenever you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, because they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by people. Truly, I tell you, they have... They have their reward. But when you pray, go into the private room, shut your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. When you pray, don't babble on like the Gentiles, since they imagine they'll be heard for their many words. Don't be like them, because your Father knows the things you need before you ask them. A a true, faithful, humble response, excuse me, a faithful, obedient response to the good news of Christ's birth is humble faithful worship. It's about looking beyond ourselves and looking to Christ. It's recognizing that Jesus is good and perfect and majestic and beautiful and holy and loving and merciful. See where I'm going here? It's about recognizing about those things and acknowledging those things, focusing our attention on Him and not ourselves. So we need to respond like Mary with with humble and faithful worship. And the second thing we learn here, the second um, significant aspect of Christ's birth that we, we discover in this passage is that God exalts the humble and He humbles the proud. See, the birth of Jesus is about a king who was born in a manger. Later on in his life, someone, will ask, or someone uh, once asked, can anything good come from Nazareth? Right? Can anything good come from a backwoods? out of the way kind of place. Important stuff happens in important places, right? Can anything good, can anything significant happen in a place like that? You see, Israel had pretty high expectations for the Messiah, the Christ. He would be a great king like David, ruling with justice and righteousness from Jerusalem. The passage that was read during our Advent candle lighting reminds us of that. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. Unto us a child is born, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Sounds like some pretty important stuff, right? That must happen in a very important place or to very important people. See, even when the wise men who were seeking out the newborn king, the first stop they made was in the palace, right? That's where you find kings, right? But instead, Jesus was born in a manger. This king, Jesus, did not enter the world in the lap of luxury, nor nor with any fanfare at all. His birth was practically unnoticed except by a few shepherds and the wise men from the east. See, God entered the world in this humble state in order to lift us up. God lowered himself to our level so that in return he could then save us and lift us up. You see, we, we can't always relate to kings and queens, right? Royalty is hard to relate to and access. But, a, but someone born in a lowly state like a manger, the God of the universe humbling himself to the point of, of being obedient even to death on the cross, that's something that we can understand and relate to. Maybe not comprehend fully, right? Why would someone do that? Out of his great love for us, of course. But God had made himself accessible. God had made himself known to us so that we could be made right with Him. Philippians chapter 2 describes that humility that Christ took on, taking on the very nature of a servant, becoming obedient even to death on the cross. 
See, that's what it's all about. It's about God had made Himself like one of us. God had humbled Himself in order to save us. And we in return must humble ourselves as well. Jesus later on in His life taught that the greatest among us must be those who serve. Matthew chapter 23, verses 1 uh, excuse me, Luke chapter 22, verses 24 through 27. said, A dispute rose among them, the disciples, about who should be considered the greatest. But he said to them, The kings of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who have authority over them have themselves called benefactors. It is not to be like that among you. On the contrary, whoever is greatest among you should become like the youngest, and whoever leads like the one serving. For who is greater, the one at the table or the one who is serving? Isn't it the one at the table? But I am among you as the one who serves. See, Jesus is that perfect example of, 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 that, of the one who, who deserved all of, all of the respect and honor and glory, yet He humbled Himself and served us. He says, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. And so we must respond in kind. The birth of Jesus reminds us that God operates by a different set of standards than our world does. Anybody who's fed up with politics and the way the world works, right? It's a good reminder that that is not what's going to save us. No matter what political party or form of government you, you believe in, that is not where our hope lies. Our hope lies in the King who was born in the most humble of circumstances, in the most back roads out of the way place imaginable. That is where our hope lies. So we must respond with worship like Mary. We recognize that Jesus humbles the proud and and lifts up the humble. And finally, we see also that Jesus fulfills the promise that was made to Israel and to Abraham generations ago. Jesus is, in fact, the long-awaited Messiah even though he didn't meet all the expectations, even though, even though he didn't line up with what they thought was the Messiah was going to look like, he in fact is that Messiah, that Christ who came to save the world and to redeem the world through his shed blood on the cross. And the people of Israel have been waiting a long time for this to take place, right? I'm talking a long time. Reminds me of, of kind of the situation Allie and I are going through right now in a, in a long... In, in, Others as well, right? A long-awaited pregnancy, right? Feels like we've been waiting for this boy to show up for a long time, right? I know Allie appreciates that more than I ever could, right? And there's excitement, and there's anticipation, and there's joy in the waiting, right? Waiting for the birth of that child, whether it's a child or grandchild or niece or nephew, right? There's excitement and anticipation and hope that comes along with that pregnancy, there's also some pain, right? Some hardship, some difficulty. There's some cost to, to that process as well. So Advent is a reminder that, that Jesus is the long-awaited Messiah and it's something to be joyful and celebrate and anticipate. But it's hard in the waiting, isn't it? The wait is hard. He is the expected one. He's the one who God has sent to this world, but and it was just at the right time and, and just in the right moment. And He fulfilled all the promises that God had made to His people throughout the generations. He is the fulfillment and the completion of the law as we see Him described in Matthew chapter 5, verses 17-20. through 20. God's fulfillment of His covenant promises that, that salvation comes from Israel and is for the whole world that all those who put their faith in Christ are children of God. And the promise extends to all. And as I began talking about, Advent is not just a reminder of what happened 2,000 years ago, but it's also an anticipation and excitement of looking forward to Christ's second coming, His second Advent, when He will return and, and all sin and death and, and the effects of sin will be finally wiped clean. Scripture closes. In Revelation chapter 22, verse 20, with this prayer. He who testifies about these things says, Yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus.
That's our prayer, right, during Advent. Come, Lord Jesus. When we see all of the evil and the wrong in this world, we look and all we can do is say, come, Lord Jesus. Right? We look forward to the day when He will restore everything and make all of the wrongs right again. And so Advent teaches us also to look forward to the completion and the fulfillment of those things. And so we need to look to Mary as an example to follow. How will... how in order of how we should all respond to God's work in our lives. We need to respond with humility, obedience, and worship. I encourage you not to lose the wonder and the significance of Christmas. We need to remember what it means to wait on the Lord. Mary's song reminds us of the great promises that God fulfills in Christ, not just about His birth, but about what Jesus accomplished through His death and His resurrection as well. And as I just mentioned, Advent is about expectation. Christ's first coming, but also Christ's second coming. And communion reminds us of both of those realities. It reminds us of the purpose of why He came in the first place. Not just to be born, but to live, to die, and to resurrect into glory. And it also points us forward to that celebration, that great wedding feast of the Lamb, when we will once again be with Christ and celebrate in His kingdom. And so as we prepare for that this morning, I encourage you to to keep that in mind as we prepare our hearts and our minds for the Lord's Supper, looking forward to that long-expected Jesus. Let's stand and in preparation of of communion, sing number 124, Come Thou Long-Expected Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, thank You so much for this day. Thank You for the opportunity now to to reflect on what You have done for us through Your Son, Jesus Christ. That through His death and His resurrection, He has made eternal life available to all who put their trust and their faith in Him. And so as we take your, Your body and Your blood, as we take this bread and this cup, Lord, remind us of what You've done for us. Lord, help us to to have that hope of eternal life in our hearts. Lord, as we celebrate Advent, as we reflect on your coming to this world, we can't help but realize, Lord, why you came. And that's because we are sinners in need of a Savior. And you came to save us from our sin. And so as part of our our celebration of communion this morning, as, as part of the hope and the anticipation of Advent, we realize, Lord, that we have fallen short of your glory and that your 
birth, your life, your death, and your resurrection was to save us from our sin. And so we we reflect now and, and we confess, Lord, that we have fallen short and we have sinned. And we are so grateful and thankful, Lord. And we praise your name that you have made a way for us through your son, Jesus Christ, to be restored and for our sins to be forgiven. And I pray now as we take this bread and this cup, you'd remind us of that. In Christ we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Paul says in 1 Corinthians, I've received from the Lord what I've also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for me, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So all you who have received Jesus as your Lord and Messiah, take this holy sacrament to your comfort. There are those who would like, uh, there are gluten-free communion wafers up here as well. Just let one of the attendants know. which is broken for you and for all. Feed on him in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving.
the blood of our Savior, Jesus Christ, shed for you and for all. A new covenant that was made in his blood so that our sins could be forgiven. Take and drink, knowing that he died for you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to be reminded and and reassured of your great love for us. Through your son, Jesus Christ, who was born, died, and rose again so that our sins could be forgiven. I pray you would strengthen us by your spirit. And as we go from this place, you would encourage us and equip us to live lives that are pleasing to you. And that as we as we continue to grow in our in grace, help us to always be mindful of your son and the significance of Christmas. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Go in peace.